Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2010 movie Eat, Pray, Love, starring Julia Roberts, based on a book of the same name by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Have you read the book? No. When did the book come out? The book came out in 2007. The chokehold that Eat, Pray, Love as a book had on women like Gen Xers and older millennials in the early 2000s was insane. Is it just the fantasy of running away? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> then also, I wonder if there's a correlation between that book coming out and then all of the live, laugh, love paraphernalia that has been. <gasps> Probably. <laughs> Before we start this recap, we're not recapping the book here, okay? Because I have a feeling we're going to be dragging this movie and I just want to make it clear, we're not dragging the book and I completely understand that the book is a whole different experience from the movie. Is Live, Laugh, Love... I'm <laughs> um, not Live, Laugh, Love. Is, <laughs> is, is Eat, Pray, Love like an autobiography? It's a memoir. Okay, okay. The story behind it is that she actually got a book deal to travel mm. and write this book. But in the movie, she doesn't. So that there's a lot of context in the movie that's missing that just makes her look like an entitled, selfish white lady in the movie. Mm -hmm. You know what? Getting a book deal to travel and write this book sounds like fucking goals to me, to be honest. For real. Yeah. And then also, Elizabeth Gilbert is such a magical writer. I, Dude, you have to read... Big Magic. I have two Audible credits. I will get Big Magic. So Elizabeth is a writer and she lives in New York, but Elizabeth is, she's in an unhappy marriage. Okay. Her husband, Stephen, he's what I want to call a dream jumper. I feel called out. <laughs> but then also, don't you think this is what the young kids called mid- He's just mid. Like, he's not terrible, but he's not amazing. No, he's not terrible. He's not amazing. He's a dream hopper. And the thing is, I respect dream hoppers. I am a dream hopper. The problem is he expects Liz to pick up the slack. Apparently, the book gives a lot more context about why she's unhappy in her marriage. But the movie just makes it confusing. Why is she so unhappy that her husband wants to pursue a different calling? Because he just pursued a different calling. He's currently a pastry chef. And what was he before he was a pastry chef? I fucking forgot, but (laughs) he just started a new dream of being a pastry chef. And he just had a 20-minute conversation with a substitute teacher. And now he's decided he wants to go back to college. Get his master's. Get his master's and become an actual teacher. Yeah, so it seems like Elizabeth is the breadwinner. And I say that because the husband is a dream chaser. And like breadwinners don't have the luxury to be dream chasers. No, breadwinners don't have the luxury to be dream chasers. Like it seems like Elizabeth's dream is to be a writer. Right. That's what she wants to do. Right. But the thing is, she wants to be a travel writer. Right. But she can't really do that because travel writing is expensive. It's elusive. She doesn't want to be separated from her husband for that long. And if he's constantly going back to school and being a teacher and a pastry chef. Just travel without your husband. You can eat, pray, love and be married. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel torn for Elizabeth because 
on one hand, she just seems very stuck. She explains to her husband at one point, it's never the right time. She's waiting on him to be ready to have kids. She's waiting on him to be ready to travel. She's waiting on him to be ready for this. And she's waited through, you know, his first dream and his second and his third. And now he's asking her to wait again through his fourth. Can we talk about how Elizabeth in the movie version of Elizabeth never seems to really have a conversation with her husband that she's unhappy or that She's Mm -hmm. tired of him moving the goalpost. She doesn't even say anything when he tells her that he wants to get his master's to become a teacher. She just looks away silently. There doesn't seem to be any communication on her end. He's telling her what he wants. She's not giving him anything as far as why she's not okay with it or what she thinks about it. She literally just crawls into bed one night after praying for the first time ever, it seems like. She crawls into bed one night and she says, I don't want to be married. Mm-hmm. That That's the extent of the conversation she has with him. Yes. In the movie, she just says, I don't want to be married. And again, it's so hard to relate to this woman, the, the movie version, because we don't have the internal monologue. We don't really know what she's feeling. Girl, what? Like, <laughs> how can you be this, this frustrated with the situation and have not had a conversation about it? I just don't. Yeah. So Elizabeth is really deeply unhappy in her marriage. It's hard to really feel the full Mm -hmm. vibes of it because we're not inside her head the way we would in the book. And so we're just going off of what she says, which is literally, I don't want to be married. So we're just going to take her word for it. You know, we don't have a choice here. (laughs) And then no sooner does she like move out of her house. She like finds a boyfriend out of play. There's a play, like a little indie play based on something that she wrote, and she immediately falls in love with the lead and she jumps in bed with him and they start a relationship. Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but the absolute worst time for you to enter a relationship is immediately after filing for divorce because you are not okay, girly pop. Like you are not okay. Yeah. Is it James Franco? Is that who her? No one should ever jump into a relationship with James Franco, period. Like full stop. (laughs) Right. Also, James Franco seems to be significantly younger than her. Yeah. Like she moves in with her agent and then in with James Franco. It's such an uncomfy relationship. It is. So this guy is a little bit of a hippie. He enjoys, I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. They just, they're just into spirituality and have an altar Mm -hmm. with an ethnic woman who, listen, goddess, she looks like a goddess. So I believe it. I would worship at her altar also, but it just, it all has an air of disingenuous to me personally. It does. It's, uh, I cringed watching (laughs) the, the relationship between Liz and James Franco. I could not do it. And then he starts to get bored with the monotony of their like daily life. At one point he says, are you ever going to give me time to miss you? Girl, I don't know. I also feel like it's too early in the relationship for him to feel like, I want to see you a little less. You're just always here in my face because she's a writer. So it's not like she goes to work. This puts Liz in the predicament of kind of right where she was back before, but in a different light. She's in the same position she was in it with her husband. And she's not even divorced yet. She has a whole ass husband. Yeah. And a whole ass boyfriend. And her husband doesn't want to sign the divorce papers at first. He literally says, like, why can't you eat, pray, love and be married? Yeah, she wants to do all these things. And he's like, fantastic, do it. But do it while you're married. And she's very firm on the, no, this is not working. 
working out. This is not where I want to be. So Liz and her husband, they meet at the divorce proceedings. First of all, the husband's representing himself. She offers him half of everything. He says no. Then she offers him all of everything to just sign the goddamn papers. He again says no. Then he performs a song. Um, And the song is just him screaming quitter. The pettiness of this man to write a whole song and the whole lyrics are quitter, quitter, quitter to the Uh spouse that's leaving him. I don't know. There's something really poetic about that. But did you notice... After the whole meeting, when Liz's attorney is like, let's give you some time to think about this. We'll regroup later. He's in the elevator and he looks up and smiles at her and closes the door to the elevator. I think he just wanted all of everything because literally the next day he signs all the damn papers. Yeah, you're right. It's crazy to me that she would want out of this marriage so bad that she would just give him everything. She gave him the house, the contents of their savings, all of her retirements. Yeah, she gave him everything just to get out of this marriage. That's bullshit, dude. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Couldn't be me. (laughs) (laughs) Could not. But you know what the movie doesn't tell us that I think it's such important context is that she got a book deal because of her divorce. Mm -hmm. So she got a book deal to travel and write a memoir Mm -hmm. about it. So that's a context that's very important, you know? And you know what? That's not part of the divorce because she earned all that money and stuff and got the book deal after the divorce. I'm sure they were in talks and she just was like, let me hold off on signing on the dotted line <laughs> like just a little bit till I'm completely done. Yeah. So Liz's plan is to go to Italy and then go to India and then go to Bali. So she's going to be gone for a year. She's going to spend a year traveling to these three places. And what is her goal with this travel? Her goal with this travel is essentially self-discovery. Yeah, she wants to find herself. She wants to find herself. She wants to find passion in eating. She wants to find spirituality. That's really great. I'm so happy for you. I really am. Yeah. The closest most of us get to spirituality is a bottle of wine. Is a bottle of wine. Yes. You know what? She does touch on that when she's in Italy. She refers to wine as therapy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's called alcoholism, but okay. This is neither here nor there. (laughs) That's fine. So what I don't understand is movie Liz is broke as fuck right now. That's the thing. Movie Liz is broke, but in reality, she got a book deal and book deals pay in advance. I don't understand how movie Liz is doing all this when her husband just took everything. Yeah, exactly. So the movie makes literally no sense. I almost want, this is the first time that I've watched a movie based on a book and I was like, no, I want to actually read the book because this movie made literally no sense. Yeah. Liz goes to Italy, okay? Her first stop in her self-discovery journey And she's staying in a bedroom of this cute little Italian woman. Liz asked about the scaffolding in the middle of the room. And she said it holds the ceiling up. (laughs) Duh. Don't touch it. You just stupid American. (laughs) Yes. And then while Liz is there, Liz meets Sophia, a European traveler who's living in Italy. It's just so convenient that Liz meets these English speaking foreigners in Italy and that they just want to take her under their wing. And they're like, oh, be part of our friendship group. They're showing her all the sites. They're helping her with her. Italian. You know what? Good for her. I love that for her. You don't even get that kind of hospitality in foreign cities in America. Nobody was that kind to us in New York. Right, 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 right. Like no like New York 
family took you in and was like, ah, oh, Courtney, come here, eat the coffee. No, wait. No, Frank and I did have a screaming match in a subway station because we were lost and it was late. We didn't know where to go. <laughs> the cops that were there did take pity on us. They're like, just get on a fucking train. Just here. Don't even pay. Just get on a fucking train and stop yelling. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you know, it's interesting because the movie is so glossy as far as Liz upending her life, moving to Italy and not having any hardships. Excuse me, have you ever been in a country where you didn't speak or understand the language? It is freaking terrifying. And I can't imagine Mm -hmm. this woman just being like, oh yeah, everything's fine. I am sure there were a lot more hiccups than the movie showed. She does speak the language a little bit. Don't you remember? She bought an English to Italian dictionary. (laughs) Right. Like that helps. She bought it right after she filed for divorce. She made her self-help walk of shame into Barnes and Noble. And the lady's like, there's a whole divorce section downstairs. (laughs) Yeah. It's so much easier to these days to have this kind of little mental breakdown because there are apps for that. You could just have the app translate. Yeah. And also like you don't have to go into a bookstore for the cashier to witness your breakdown. (laughs) You can just order those on Amazon. Do you think it was a little questionable the way she was told that she had to act Italian? So you had this white lady just doing these mannerisms and she looked like an episode of Family Guy, like, it was just like, this is a little racist. (laughs) You know what? I think that if it were anybody other than Julia Roberts, with other few exceptions, I'd been like, too much. (laughs) But really, I feel like Julia Roberts can do almost anything. And I've been like, it's okay. She has yeah. the pass. She has You're the pass. So right. Can you imagine writing a memoir of your book and then Julia Roberts playing you? That's goals. That's insane like, to me. Because Julia Roberts doesn't look like Elizabeth Gilbert at all. She doesn't? No, Elizabeth Gilbert is just your run-of-the-mill Caucasian woman. Just this blonde, skinny blonde lady. So Elizabeth's time in Italy is just basically her eating pasta the whole time. But yeah, so Liz just uses Italy as her way to like eat herself into a carb coma, which listen, respect. All right. As a carb blush goals. But also I've heard that a lot of people who go to places like Italy and they're like, I ate my weight in carbs for two weeks and I didn't gain any weight. And it's because there's no additives in like European food. And you're walking constantly. I mean, I think the food is probably healthier because it's no secret that America is uh, just really trying to poison us with food for the pharmaceutical industry to then turn around and uh, cure us. Sometimes we like to dwell into conspiracy podcasts. (laughs) It's not really a conspiracy, to be honest. We all know it. The rest of the world knows it. We know it. We just don't have a choice. What are we going to do? Not eat? Are you kidding? Of course I'm going to eat. Num num. I ordered some French flour from a French grocery store on the internet. And when I tell you, it's different. It's totally different. Mm. But it's expensive as fuck. Elizabeth, I don't know if you caught this like throughout her time in Italy. She was always side eyeing romance. Like she was always looking around at people holding hands and hugging. And you could just tell that this woman is a hopeless romantic. She wants to jump from one love to the next. And also people are, are like, oh, so you're not married. Yeah. Where is your man? And so it's one of those things to where like it was constantly being pushed on her. So it's like it's very much on the forefront of her mind. And Italy. And I think that, you know what? I feel like Liz accomplished her goal of regaining her love for food and like the connection that food is supposed to bring. I feel like she accomplished that in Italy. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm still wondering, like, how the fuck are you paying for this? 
there's this sense throughout her time in Italy that she's like, oh, I'm so happy, but I'm alone. Oh, this is so delicious. I love my body, but I don't have a man. And it just didn't feel as empowering as perhaps the book felt. And again, I've never read the book. I'm just imagining because it was such a wild Uh bestseller. And and I know for a fact that Elizabeth Gilbert is an incredible writer. So I feel like it had to have been a very powerful portion of the book. And listen... I am very easily influenced, especially when it comes to food. So if someone was like, hey, girl, you want some spaghetti? I'd be like, fuck, yeah, I want some spaghetti. Who says no to spaghetti except for like sociopaths? Only sociopaths. Only sociopaths. (laughs) You know what? I challenge women to take men on a first date to Olive Garden for the unlimited possible. If they don't eat at least two bowls of spaghetti, dump them because they're weak. (laughs) <laughs> if a man has a weak stomach, he has a weak wallet. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, that kind of correlates. And watch these women be like, I'm still single at 95. <laughs> All the men have said no to spaghetti. We are not dating coaches. Liz's next stop on her year-long journey is India. In India, she goes to an ashram, which is essentially like a spiritual retreat. And while she's there, Liz is learning how to meditate. She's learning how to connect with herself, I guess. Have you ever tried to meditate? Yeah, my brain does not stop. The more I try not to think, the faster the thoughts come. I've only been able to successfully stop my thoughts once. And it was with this thing I saw on TikTok where it says, if you ever want to get your mind completely blank, you need to ask yourself this one question. What will my next thought be? Yeah. No, I don't know. No. When I'm asking myself to answer one question, my brain's like, not today, girly pop, not today. This is too much pressure. I've never had an anticipatory thought before. At this religious retreat, she's struggling, girl. She is. She's hardcore struggling when she first gets there. She is. And I think one of the reasons is because she just came from this incredible vacation in Italy where she could eat whatever she wanted, do whatever she wanted. Uh She was staying. It wasn't luxury accommodations, but she was comfortable. And now she's in this meditation retreat where she has to do chores. Like, I'm not paying Uh to do chores. I'm sorry. Like, these people, they're paying to be there. And then they have to do chores. They have to sit on the floor and scrub with a rag. I don't even understand. And that's not how you clean the floor. Yeah, they sit there and they do that. And then they get like rations in a cafeteria. You know what? I feel like this is really great for a lot of people. And I'm sure it works for a lot of people. Not I. I I am already not having a good time just watching it. But she doesn't seem to be getting much out of it either. No. And then there's this middle-aged dude. And he keeps calling her groceries because she was like really digging into her lunch one day. You know it's not going to be a good time when this random creepy dude gives you a a pet name that doesn't make sense. It's not even a cute pet name. He's essentially, he might as well have been like, hey, fatso. He's also American, right? He's this American Mm, guy. Yeah, he's from Texas. His name is Richard and he just comes across really abrasively and Elizabeth doesn't like him. They immediately, they're bumping heads. Mm -hmm. But they're both voluntarily there. You can leave. I know. It looks like a freaking, they look like they're at a war camp. Like they look like they're... They're being forced to be there and eat rations and clean the place, but they're paying to be there. Yeah. And you know what? Anytime Richard comes around, Liz just goes to a foul ass mood. Until one day he opens up to her about why he's so grumpy. And girl, this story, first of all, it was like 
It was the the meanest bait and switch I've ever heard in my life. So he's talking about like he was married and he had a son. He came home one day and just whipped into the driveway and ran over his son. Uh, Courtney, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's what I got. Go tell us what he said. That. That's what I thought he said. That's not what he said. No. So the guy, the guy is telling her the story about how he had a really bad alcohol problem and he was married with a little boy and he said he was driving home one day drunk and as he's reaching his house he doesn't know that his son is waiting for him on the driveway and this Uh man whips into the driveway drunk and so at this point I'm like oh my god he killed his son because the guy is crying as he's telling the story but then he goes yeah but my son moved out of the way and I'm like oh god like why set it up that way you know what I mean like why tell such a graphic story about almost killing your kid. Why not just say, I almost killed my kid? You know what I mean? And even Liz was like, oh, Jesus. The guy's (laughs) like, yeah, he's 19 now. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. So what you got out of that is that the kid died. You're like, oh, this guy ran over his kid. Anyway. (laughs) That is what I got. He just ran over his kid. Eat, pray, love. Listen, this was my least favorite part of the whole movie. So I zoned out during the pray section. Prayer for a pagan? I don't think so. Pagans pray, right? I mean, kind of, but not like this. Not to Jesus. Not to Jesus, no. Jesus? Who is she? (laughs) Jesus don't know him. You know what? I think that was actually this guy that I used to work with. Stop. (laughs) His name was Jesus. Same thing, right? No. I have met Jesus. (laughs) No, you have not. No, immediately no. Immediately no. Well, you know what I... You know what I don't understand? So like Jesus is a Hispanic name, right? Like Jesus, Jesus Mm -hmm. is a Hispanic name, but Jesus was Middle Eastern. So like, why does he have a Hispanic name? I've never thought about that. I mean, maybe it's not a Hispanic name. I'll have to look it up, but you're right. I've only ever known Hispanic men named Jesus. Parents get kooky every once in a while. And you know what parents do get kooky? Maybe that's what Mary did. You know, maybe she was like, I'm going to name this one. And they were like, are you going to name him Rashim? And she was like, no, I'm going to name him Jesus. <laughs> they were like, what the fuck, Mary? <laughs> Joseph's like, I thought you said it was God's child. Do you know how many people right now are literally just like turning <laughs> off our podcast for the last goddamn time? <laughs> They're like... This is the end. I am not doing this anymore. You know what? I've said much worse things to my Catholic best friends. They still talk to me. If they can deal, everybody else can too. I'm Catholic. I am not practicing, but you and I have different belief systems and we're like besties. It can happen. Well, see, here's the thing. I feel like everybody has the same belief system. They just practice it differently. If you really break down the bits and pieces of religion... And you lay it all out. It's not any different. It's really not. It's just, you just believe in different ways. Listen, you're making Jesus really angry right now. Jesus! We are really deep in the pray portion of Eat, Pray, Love here. (laughs) Um, Essentially, what Liz gains from the pray portion of her adventure is that I think she really starts to come to terms with the loss of her marriage here. Yes, because she hasn't dealt with it because she immediately jumped into another relationship. So she really didn't have time Uh to process. 
then in Italy, she was so busy eating and hanging out with friends that she couldn't process. But then in India, for the first time, she had to stop and not do anything. And that is always when your thoughts catch up to you, girl. That's why you got to keep your mind busy and your body moving. And then you won't fall into a bottomless pit of despair, as that guy said in, what's that show called? Parks and Rec. (laughs) Yes. You know what? No, you're just going to leave me alone with my thoughts. (laughs) I think the fuck not. And that's exactly what happened. Liz was left alone with her thoughts. She was left alone with time to ruminate. Yeah. So in the movie, everything that happened to other people was just a plot device for Liz to process her own life. Like there was only one character in the whole movie and that was Liz and everyone else was just devices. And I think that's part of what made her so unlikable. Yes. I really want to read the book because I feel like under different contexts, I would really like Liz. I don't like movie Liz. Yeah, I do want to read the book too. I actually wish we had done the book, but I ain't got time for that. Rose literally texted me. She goes, I'm halfway through this movie and I don't feel bad for this bitch at all. (laughs) (laughs) She could eat, pray, die for all I care. You know what? What happens is that Liz does not die, but Richard from Texas, his time at the spiritual retreat has come to an end. Her arch nemesis is leaving. And so now her friend, the teenage girl that she befriended while she was there is also leaving. So now there are no more devices for her in the religious sanctuary. (laughs) So now she must move on to the love portion. To the love portion. And you know what? Do you think she... I guess this is in in retrospect that she named it Eat, Pray, Love, right? Because I can't imagine that she knew, okay, I'm going to eat in Italy. I'm going to pray in India. So then in Bali, she was like, it's time to get it in, time to get that D, you know? (laughs) You know what? That seems to be what the basis of everybody in Bali is really like rooting for and not like romance, just girl, listen, get dicked down a little. Listen, Bali is full of tourists Mm-hmm. And hot locals. Just pick one. She doesn't really pick one. He picks her by almost running her over the road with his Jeep mm-hmm. or something while she's riding a bike. She's in Bali. She's working with this medicine man. And she's running an errand for him one day. And this guy, his name is Philippe. He's played by Javier Bardem. He almost runs her over. And she's really shaken by it. To be fair, she was riding a bicycle down the middle of a street and going full speed around a blind turn. Whose fault is it really here? I feel like it was an intrusive thought where she was like, if I die, I die. And then she was like, oh my fucking God, I almost died. And she's just like pissed at him, you know? (sighs) He never laughed so hard at anything I ever said. (laughs) No, that's... Do you know what? I'm so mad at you right now. Do you know how hilarious I am? Do you know the funny shit I say on a regular basis and I don't even get a ha-ha? All right, bitch. And then I make a traffic joke. I make I make a, a non-yielding joke. Like someone doesn't yield at a traffic stop and you're peeing your pants. Look, we need to have a we need to have a conversation after this episode. Courtney, do you need a minute? No, I'm good now. Okay, good. Let's continue. So that evening, Liz is at like this beach party with everybody. 
he's like, hey, let me buy you a drink. And she says, oh, no, thank you. He's like, well, I almost killed you earlier. So it's really the least I could do. It seems like she is so angry with him for almost running her over. Liz is hardcore brushing this guy off. He's not, he seems totally unfazed by it too. He's like, eh, whatever, but he's not moving. He's still sitting next to her. One of Liz's friends from Bali is like, Liz, oh, I see you've met Philippe. Oh, two sad divorces. Anyways, Liz, <laughs> I found somebody for you to sleep with. He's over there. His name is Ian. He's Australian. Everyone has a love affair in Bali. It's no big thing. You should go bang him. <laughs> Everyone's trying to get Liz laid in Bali. Yes. So, I call Cap on the fact that Elizabeth meets this gorgeous, dark-haired... Where is he from? Australia? The guy that hit her? Or almost hit her? Yeah, Philippe. He's Brazilian. Oh my gosh. From Australia. The other guy, the drummer, he's Australian. So I call Cap that Elizabeth meets this hot Brazilian man... And as thirsty as she has been for the entire freaking movie, yes. she would be like, no, thanks. I'm good, bitch. You're, you're telling me that you're walking away from tall, dark, and handsome to go over to the skinny, blonde, white boy? Ain't even gonna lie. That's what I would do. Absolutely not. The fact that he tried to kill me would just make him hotter. So he's tall, dark, handsome, and kind of dangerous. He does not use turning signals. He just speeds through blind turns. So Liz starts dancing with the white boy from Australia named Ian, with white boy Ian. So she's dancing with him, and then they... They go off alone to this little wading pool. And Ian's like, let's swim. And then he just strips naked. He's just naked as shit. Yeah, she's having this exciting little fling with this guy, but it doesn't go anywhere because she like almost immediately loses interest. She looks at him and in his little face, she sees her ex-husband and her boyfriend after her ex-husband. And she goes, no, I've. No, sorry. I've married you. I dated you just recently. <laughs> nope. I can see where this is going to end. Yeah. And she's like, I don't think so. So she goes to leave and then runs in to Philippe. Do you know Philippe was hiding in the bushes watching this whole thing? Right? He says, do you want to get in the car? This He's like, so, you know, at least if I'm driving, I can't run you over. Yeah, that's valid. He makes good points. But can you try? He's a man of few words, but good points. Right? The movie takes off at this point with the love story between Philippe and Elizabeth. Yeah. And the next morning, Philippe brings her this hangover cure. And she's like, did you just walk into my house? He's like, do you normally sleep with your door wide open? This is like soft burglary. Oh, you know what? It doesn't matter if he's a stalker. All that matters is if a jury he's will hot. believe he's a stalker. Yes, that too. <laughs> and, <laughs> all that matters is that he's hot and you're like the law. <laughs> mm. The law. So Philippe and Liz fall into this romance. He's meeting her friends. She's meeting his son. They're going hiking. They're they're doing all of the things that, you know, like couples do. He's like, she's like half moved into his house. It seems like she immediately moves into people's houses, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what? Like, I know lesbians normally do that. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Elizabeth Gilbert came out as a lesbian. Did she really? Courtney. Okay, so let's finish this up and I'll give you the tea. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what to go from there, huh? So Elizabeth Gilbert 
she marries this man. She marries this Brazilian man. Uh-huh. Not in the movie. They just start their their romance or whatever. And that's kind of where the movie leaves us is that she started off with a man and wanting her freedom to do what she wanted. And then she came full circle back to a man. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you what happens after the book. Right. So she marries this guy, Philippe. They're married for quite a while. And then Elizabeth realizes, and this happened like a couple mm-hmm. years ago, she realized that she's in love with her best friend, who's a woman. And that woman is diagnosed with cancer. And so Elizabeth says, I need to live my authentic life. And she divorces Philippe to marry her best friend. They're married? Yeah, she married. So Elizabeth Gilbert marries her best friend. And then her best friend dies of cancer. It's so sad. Does she remarry Philippe? <laughs> you think you can go back after that? Well, you know what? All the signs were there. <laughs> she was a lesbian. All the lesbians I've ever known started off kind of like man hopping because they were like looking for something that they couldn't find in men. A vagina. You don't have a vagina. That's the actual problem. Yeah, Yeah. that that is the problem. (laughs) You know what? That makes a lot of sense because I think that a lot of people are like, oh, no, I am straight. And they do. They man hop. Like you said, they're not finding it. And it's because the vagina is what's missing. The only thing that breaks my heart about Elizabeth Gilbert is that I was such a fan of hers until I heard her talk shit about romance novels. And it kind of broke my heart a little (gasps) bit. Yeah, because she was writing some novel that had sex in it about a woman who was like a flapper in the 30s Uh or or whatever era that the flappers were in. Apparently, they were the hussies of their time. And Elizabeth was very careful to specifically say, this isn't like those trashy, you know, (gasps) romance novels. Yeah. I'm like, girl, you ain't had to do me like that. First of all, that's the point. They're supposed to be. But also, trashy romance novels have made a lot of people very rich. So... Yeah. And also, there's a place for them in our society. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. women escaping into them because society is not very accepting of women who are embracing their sexuality and these Mm -hmm. novels have been like this quiet movement for women to do that without having to support the porn industry which Mm -hmm. is just terrible in their treatment of women no completely agree but no i i don't know that puts a bad taste in my mouth like why do you have to tear somebody else down yeah and you know what annoys me is authors that want to dip their toes into the sexiness of romance novels but then they want to be like Mm -hmm. but that's not me like i'm not like those gross authors that write sex scenes and it's like but you are because there's sex scenes in here listen i've highlighted some passages and (laughs) you have eight of the ten hallmarks of trashy (laughs) romance novels you said thick length you said hot center velvet wrap steel you said all of the things okay this is in fact a trashy romance novel congratulations and welcome to the fold i've never read her book that she wrote that supposedly has sex in it but i would not be surprised if she has all that stuff in there you know what if it looks like a duck Mm -hmm. and it walks like a duck yeah it's because it's a duck even if you call it something else it's still a fucking duck yeah, but she was a little bit basura, like just a little bit in the movie. El Nino Basura. Trash child. I know what I meant. Is- <laughs> you just said trash child. <laughs> Not Nino meant little. <laughs> no. Pequeño. Pequeño. Pequeño basura. But you got to say, you got to feminize it because, oh my God, it just occurred to me that in Spanish, trash is feminized. I am deeply unsettled by this misogynistic discovery in my language. It's basura. 
Is there a secondary word for garbage? Not that I can think of right now, but basura is feminine because you would say pequeña basura, like you would have to feminize the pronoun, basically. (gasps) Oh my God, Spanish is sexist. Jesus, fix this. (laughs) You know what? You should tell your mom that you've come to a conclusion and that Jesus was Hispanic. Jesus was Latino. Yeah. Anyway, the teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. More is bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.